is What Shall We Do About with Sam Robinson. Hello and welcome to the show. Libraries have always been places that fascinate me. Public spaces filled to the brim with books, which you can borrow and read at no cost to yourself. It's a sweet deal. And since having kids, I've found a whole new love for the place. It's an endless source of picture books. But as I look around my local library, I notice something. Libraries have become havens for free Wi-Fi. And so many people are reading e-books and listening to books downloaded from Audible at their own home. So what shall we do about libraries? Are they under threat? Joining me to discuss this week is popular children's author and experienced school teacher Tim Harris. Children's author Tim Harris, hello. G'day, Sam. It's so good to have you on the podcast, but even more exciting than that, we are in your office, and this is where you write your books. This is where the books happen, that's right. Underneath the house, just off to the garage, off the side of the garage, uh, is, look, I sometimes call it a man cave, Sam. I'm sure you can tell by some of the things around the office that it is a bit like that, but it makes me feel good. Okay, so I'm looking around... I'm seeing some old vinyl records. You got a record player? Oh, it's there. It's right there. <laughs> there it is. And that actually, there's a very good reason for that, Sam, in that uh, listening to that the old music that I listened to as a like a kid and a teenager uh, sort of transports me back to that frame of mind of there are so many possibilities in life. And that's a great mindset to write with. There are so many possibilities. Uh, and also trying to be writing for kids, trying to be as childlike as possible in, in the thoughts um, to hopefully connect with the reader. Uh, yeah, so it's very purposeful. Uh, and mm. thus, the you know, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel ready to write. I like that. And then I look over here and there's all your books that you published on the shelves. And they're so beautiful and colourful. And did notice that they're probably the straightest ones <laughs> on the show. That's because nobody reads them. They just sit there. Well, uh, well, no. So they don't read them. Why are they there? So what I've done, Sam, is I've I've put four of every book that I've ever had published, uh, including sort of overseas translations and editions, up there because we're about to have our fourth baby. Congratulations. And so, oh, thank you. We're very excited. So that the plan is that one day the kids will have a, a one of Daddy's books, you know, one of every book that he's um, he's put out. So it's a bit of a, it looks like it's my hoard at the moment, but it's actually there for the kids. I do like that. And I must mention as well the Lego. There's a lot of Lego in this office. How on earth are you meant to write books if you're just going to be playing with Lego all day? Uh, it's, yeah, it's a big distractor and it is so hard to be disciplined and get words done or edits done when there's, you know, unopened boxes and bags of Lego just sitting around. But sometimes it's a reward. So, you know, you might go, all right, if I can knock out 500 words this morning, then I'm going to do one bag, bag number 14 of the treehouse set. You are a big kid, aren't you? Yep. But I think that's a good thing, right? Like if you're a kid's author, you need to be in that right headspace. And and you've actually, you've started a project over here, which is Lego Toffle Towers, which is your latest book series. Yeah, that's right. And um, and that really, that was just for totally for fun. And I've started showing kids at schools when I visit them and, you know, I often talk about the, the writing process and we have a few jokes and, and serious tips as well. And then I say to them, Guys, do you want to see some Lego? And and of course, every hand goes up thanks to Lego Masters <laughs> and the impact of pop culture. Uh, yeah, so the plan was, well, I'm going to you know build Toffle Towers, the hotel setting of um, of my latest book, out of Lego. And um, you, as you can see, one floor 
is complete and there are still two more floors to go. Uh, and then the very difficult roofing. And I, I swiped, um, there's a poster up there next to the, the half-finished set, um, like a bookshop. I think they're called like a pop-up stand. There's a pop-up stand of Toffle Towers and that's um, that's my model to guide it on. Uh, yeah, but the roof, look at the pop-up roof there. That is quite difficult. There's a lot of triangles and, you know, trying to make triangles out of square blocks is tricky at times. Wow. How many books have you written now? So we're up to, in Australia, we're up to uh, nine have been published uh, and next year there'll be there'll be two more. And within those nine, there have been a couple of um, uh, overseas editions as well and, and translations. Fantastic. That's very cool. And as I look to my right, I see all your books lined up, as I mentioned, but also there's a bunch of other books as well. There's uh, a Morris Gleitzman book here, a Paul Jennings biography. I won't continue, but, but you have a library in your office of kids' books. Incredible. Gifted the Gab by Morris Gleitzman. I've read that one. So here we go. We're tapping into your childhood into as well. Into my childhood. My, my childhood was really yeah, Paul Jennings' books. Although I feel like now it's Andy Griffiths and Tim Harris, isn't it? That's the, that's <laughs> well, the... I, I'd almost say it's Andy Griffiths and Andy Griffiths. <laughs> but, you know, I'm working on it. You go, I mean, you do go to your local bookshop and it's just every tree. How many treehouse books has he got? Honestly? Well, I He's... think at the moment there's about seven or eight of them. Uh, maybe even more by now, but they've, they've just gone, they've gone global. They are, they are a big thing. Getting Huge. lots of people reading, which is good. Lots of young people reading, which is really good. But you'll see there, I've, I've, it's a quite an eclectic collection. So there's the cricket books, a bit of a cricket tragic. There's the uh, the Christian living books. There's the kids' books. And then there's and everything in between. There's biographies and a lot that I haven't read. Well, you are on the podcast this week to talk about libraries. Can you take us back to maybe when you're a kid? And, I mean, you're an author now. Did you love books as a kid and did you love libraries as a kid? Do you know, strangely, I, I didn't have a huge love for books when I was a kid. Probably probably the thing I really wanted to do was just hit a cricket ball. So the, the, <laughs> the love for, for books and libraries has actually swelled over time. But as a kid, I, I do have some specific memories of our of our primary school library. And uh, I remember, we you know, we'd all line up to go in knowing, I think there were 30 in the class, knowing that there were eight soft cushions inside. And so you'd be wrestling for pole position. And as soon as Mr. Semler, the librarian, opened up the door, because you weren't allowed to run, it was like the Olympic power walk race <laughs> to get a soft cushion. And so if you were lucky, you might get one in the fiction section. And if yeah. you were sort of half lucky, you might end up in the, you know, the Z section of nonfiction and have all the other 22 students dismissed out. <laughs> so it was quite funny. And Mr. Semler, he was, I have fond memories of, of him as a librarian. He would, he wouldn't sit on a chair to read books to the class. He'd actually sit up on a table. And I reckon he, he had the brownest fashion I've ever seen in a human being. It was like brown. Brown pants, brown shirt, brown hair. He may have had brown eyes as well. Um, and he'd sit up on the table wearing his brown fashion and he would put his index finger into his mouth and, and lick the finger before turning a page. Now, I had no idea as an 11-year-old what that technique was, you know, helping the page flick. I thought he had like a germ phobia or something. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what it was, but it was just odd seeing him, you know, dip the finger into the mouth, pull it out, turn the page. Um, and then the thing that I remember the clearest out of above all of that is he spoke with this awesome whistle. So he'd be like, yes, this is a great book <laughs> about things. <laughs> <laughs> and so we'd be, you know, when we got to year six, the year six boys, we'd be a bit cheeky and we'd be like, Hey, Mr. Semler, you know, here's a book. <laughs> and he'd, he'd say, right, 
what's this one? Ah, 60 seconds of sausage <laughs> silliness. <laughs> you know, chosen deliberately so we could get that whistle uh, to its max. So yeah, lots of fun memories from, from the library. Um, you know, and I think there's, when you're, when you're young, there is a bit of a, like a wonder that, that comes with being in a library as well. Mm. Um, and I reckon when I got to high school, that whole sort of thing changed and suddenly the the library almost became a place to fear because it was it was so deathly quiet um, and the librarians at, at my particular high school were terribly strict. And so if there was any, you know, any nonsense at all, any talking, you'd be pounced on. Um, and it sort of lost that sense of awe. And I remember some, I think some year 10 students decided to rebel against the librarian and they tipped chocolate milk down the return chute. And so oh. all, the, all the books at the bottom no. you know, were now sponsored by Oak. It was, yeah. <laughs> and really stinky and after really a day stinky. in the sun. You've got great, great memories. I, 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 I was trying to think back to when I was a kid and what libraries were like for me. And I can't remember my librarian's name. I remember, you know, that often you'd be in a race to borrow the Goosebumps books. You know, everyone wanted that book, but it was always out. Uh, and then when Harry Potter came out, that was the next big thing. Yeah, it would have been. But um, but I kind of feel like at lunchtime, all the kids wanted to be in the computer lab and all the nerdy kids would go to the library. Yeah, well, so the, the computer lab was separate. To, so, cause, when I was at school, it was, Yeah, yes. okay, so at our high school, the computer lab was part of the library. Ah. And, and I was just, how do we say library? Do we say library? Library? I say library. Library? I think I say library. Library. You should say library. That's more proper, isn't it? <laughs> Cause I'm just You're the author. Big... You tell yeah, me how to say it. Yeah, look, I, I don't actually know. Um, it's a bit uh, controvers- uh, controversial or <laughs> controversy. It's one of those it's ones. One of those. I think, yeah. <laughs> it is, a bit. is it bad form? I mean, y- we should also clarify that you were a trained school teacher as well. Yeah, that's right. So 15 years as a teacher in, in primary schools. Is it bad form to talk in the library? Yeah, it was actually, uh, depending on the, like, look, depending on, on the situation, if you go in and, and just start blurting and there are people already doing things, that's pretty poor form. But but libraries um, also are places of great learning. And so there might be quite dynamic lessons happening where there's a whole bunch of talking and that's completely normal. So it really, I think the etiquette um, came down to discretion mm. and you kind of work out what, what should I be doing? Um, you know, how should I be behaving in this particular situation? So both happened from from silence and you're in big trouble if you talk <laughs> right through to, to chaos and screaming on, on occasions. And it is weird that every library has different rules because I think of my local library that would take my three-year-old to and, you know, she blabbers away reading books, but that's allowed to, you know, when you're in high school and you're allowed to do group study sessions around a table um, to when I went to college and you weren't meant to talk at all inside. So what, I don't know why that's the case. Is it just about age age and stage of learning? Perhaps, yeah. And perhaps there's a social, uh, like there's social skills, social awareness that goes with it. Um, but it does remind me, Sam, have you heard that, that joke about the Irishman who walks into the library? No, but I'm sure I'm about to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, look, is it okay to tell Irish jokes anymore? I don't know. Is, is it, uh, I'll allow it on this oh, podcast. Thank you. Sure. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it because it's one that I heard and I haven't forgotten because it's, it's a good one for libraries. So this Irishman goes into the library and he walks up to the counter and says, All right then, I'll have a milkshake and a burger, thanks. And the librarian sort of looks around and furrows her eyebrows and says, Um... You do realise 
this is the library. And he says, I'm sorry. I'll have a milkshake and a burger, thanks. That's good. I can tell that you're an author. <laughs> That's great. Boom, boom. Um, what what would you say your favourite things are about libraries? Definitely the the books. So there's there are so many worlds to, you know, dip in and out of, and there's so much information that that's available there. But I'm I'm actually beginning to notice more and more that libraries have cool furniture, and it's become a bit of a thing for for libraries if if they have a budget where they can buy beautifully versatile furniture it might be uh, interchangeable furniture that you can move the desks around and create different shapes um, bookshelves on wheels so we can create different spaces for, for different occasions um, awesome large interactive whiteboards so lessons can be clear and you can you know see what's happening from a long distance away bright spaces views windows so yeah libraries they, they can be really beautiful places for learning and engagement um, and I'm enjoying, so since I've started sort of visiting school, up to about 300 schools now in the last four years. So that's a lot of libraries um, that I've seen and some of them are actually breathtaking. Uh, the thought that's been put into these places to make them, you know, excellent spots for learning and engagement. And of course, above all, pr promoting a love of reading. And so you might have um, beautiful quotes painted up on the walls, like Dr. Zeus quotes, or and there might be a particular um message that the school might want to p portray so that might be up on the wall uh, right through to artworks so visiting illustrator mm. you know might might paint an artwork during a live session and then donate that artwork to the school and so some schools will then choose to frame these artworks and put them up um, and then on the other side there are some libraries that might just be in a demountable Mm. But the thing is, the important thing is that school has a library. And so the students are still, they're still going in and, and being immersed in, in literature. And it doesn't, um, doesn't seem to affect them that, you know, there's, it might just be a couple of fans on the roof and just a bit of carpet, maybe a rug. And then, you know, some literally just some shelves around the edge of the demountable. So they do come in, in various, you know, f shapes and sizes. But one thing, I'm, back to the original question, what I enjoy about them is, yeah, seeing the different layouts and seeing how, uh, librarians are, you know, envisage, envisaging the space that they work in and, and trying to utilise that space to connect with the students. How important do you think a library is, whether it's in a school or a local community, to helping kids read? Hugely, hugely important. Um, and also, I guess, find a love of reading. Yeah, it's so important. And that can be, the love of reading can be directly a direct result from the passion of that teacher librarian you know if you get and i've seen i've seen some librarians they'll you know they'll sit down on the chair and they'll just command this respect and then they'll launch into a story and use these awesome voices and then he walks down the road trotting yeah, and the kids just it's hard not to get swept up in that if you're a young yeah. kid and you know you're hearing the voices so so that that's the role of a teacher librarian that is so important in sort of helping students you know get that love for reading but how important are they they are so important because without a library well where the where do the books go and the sad thing is that and we i'm sure we'll talk about this in more detail later that a lot of australian schools now are saying you know what we're going to ditch our library and our teacher library and we're going to put our funds elsewhere um and so you know what happens to the books in that situation well they simply get 
carted off to a classroom and put on a bookshelf at the back of the room. And what's lost is that that knowledge and passion from someone whose job it is to promote reading. And, and don't get me wrong, teachers promote reading. Every teacher promotes reading. But the person who's who's trained to do it and who's who has their finger constantly on the pulse, you know, with what kids are reading and what books are winning awards, um, mm. you know, this this goes out the window which is which is very sad and and research is showing now that the school results are going down so reading and literacy levels are, are plummeting in fact um read an article recently about a school in melbourne where the principal rocked up i think it was a catholic college i think i wrote down the name of this anyway it's a school in melbourne the principal rocked up and they used their library as a detention space and so it was that's all it was so students were sent right little johnny uh, off you go to the library for half an hour and the principal was horrified and, and this is a school I should say um, I think there was something like 50 languages were spoken at this school so right. very high non-English speaking mm. anyway so the, lib- the the principal said we're going to change this and I'm g- he straight away he employed two teacher librarians and said here's a budget do what you want we're going to promote reading in the hope that that reading is going to help the students with their writing mm-hmm. and i think it, i think the article said it was either within two or three years that school doubled uh the improvement of every other school in victoria for the naplan results so doubled the margin of improvement um all because they had the vision to put a library in place and and make it somewhere the students wanted to go they put chess sets in there they would have put you know some nice furniture in there and just made it a place where the students wanted to go instead of it being off you go you know that's where you're in trouble mm. uh, yeah so it is an incredible turnaround coming into this interview i did a bit of research on libraries but i actually had no idea that that schools are shutting them down i just for some reason assumed it was compulsory for every school to have a library that's right and then uh there was uh i'm so sorry that the author name escapes me the big overseas author came out and said they should be compulsory because at the moment they're not but the whole article was about they should be compulsory and i believe the stats at the moment are one in eight schools does not where where it used to be every school did and there even i heard a story about a, a small queensland state school where the parents petitioned the pnc to to get a library because they knew the importance of this library. So they wrote this incredibly detailed letter about these are the learning benefits mm-hmm. that our, the students would have. Um, actually, I think I think they were, um, yeah, they wanted a teacher librarian for the space. So there was a library, but they didn't have a teacher librarian. So those two things really they need, they need to go hand in hand. Anyway, they got the they got it. They got the teacher librarian. Great. They changed the school. So you said how many schools have you visited in the last year? In the, this just this year, this year, about, oh, over ninety this year. Okay, so have any of those schools not had a library? Not one. Okay. Yep. Which and and there is a connection here, Sam, in that the schools with the libraries and with the teacher librarians, they're very proactive in getting an author in to come and speak. And there's a connection there as well. There's um, they say that, and I was I was showed uh, shared an article by a, a teacher librarian just this week, and she said that reading and writing engagement levels go up 20% after an author has, has done their thing and, right. and sort of, you know, promoted reading and writing. Uh, so that's, yeah, and but it makes sense, doesn't it, that it's those schools that are, that are trying to, to try to bring in the, um, the authors and illustrators. Can I ask what you do? Like, I imagine you walk into a room, there's hundreds of kids, or hundred or a few hundred kids there sitting, they've read your books, uh, or they are aware of who you are at least. What kind of stuff do you do with them? 
I got this funny little message from a kid I visited uh, at Clavelli Public School. I think his name was Forrest. And he said, uh, like, dear Tim Harris, you should be a stand-up comedian and you could make millions more dollars than you do as an author. <laughs> <laughs> so I have this, I have a bit of a stand-up routine, but which I try to make look improvised, but it's a bit, it's like the old Lano and Woodley trick where you, <laughs> you, you say a one-liner on the spot and you realize it works. And so then you just sort of pop it away and yeah. pull it out again. So I start with a bit of sort of light comedy and that's just to, to break the audience. It really is. Cause I figure if you get them laughing at the start, the first five minutes is quite silly. Yeah. If you get them laughing, then you've hooked them. And if you have them hooked, then you can say more meaningful things. So once, once they're hooked from the, from the laughing, then we can dive into uh, the writing process. Mm. We can dive into uh, real people who have influenced characters. I've got, got this great story about my old year four teacher and how he sort of influenced that some of the characters in my books and I'll share, you know, personal anecdotes like that. I'll show book trailers, videos, photos. We'll have, we'll do some um, improvised comedy with the students again, just so that will be halfway through just to break it up. So there's a lot of laughing, but there's also a lot of tips that, that get across. So I, I do like to have a bit of a balance there. And because at the end of the day, you want the students to have, uh, to feel good about it, but you also want the the school to know that they've got something out of this, and they're mm. not just paying for a a sixty minute stand up show, which I'd like to do one day. No, <laughs> hopeless. Do you wander through to the junior fiction H section and look for your books on the shelf? <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I first started, I, I did, and I think it's that you get a bit of a rush to to be honest. Um, you know, when there's a book on the shelf, but but libraries now and and teach librarians are really great, and often they'll produce these incredible displays of your books. And so you walk into the library, and they might have a whole corner of the library, mm. you know, dedicated to a series or an author that they've got visiting, um, and that's nice because you because you want there to be a bit of a spike in reading after you've been. I guess the the question we're talking about is is libraries and and the future of libraries on this podcast. And I think in an age where you know CD stores have closed because Spotify and iTunes are so big, and then video stores, I think the last blockbuster closed last year. Did it over in WA? Yeah, yeah there's right. like one in the world now. Oh no, where is it? I think it's over in Canada. Good, I'll have to check that you, Canada. Yeah, so it's some or some random state of America. It's, yeah. it's somewhere in North America, but you get all your movies online. You get your music online. Why? Because you can read books. You can get audio books. You can do eBooks. Why are libraries still around now? Do you think? It, it is a great question, and I think the answer is because books are still around. Um, and books, there was a, I think it was uh, early ten, so like two thousand eleven, twelve. The the conversation was eBooks what's going to happen to books uh, and you know is it going to follow this digital trend and be part of it but but books have actually you know kept on going through and and mm. look you get your hardcore book fans those sort of fans who go oh i love the smell of it oh, it's, a, it's a cheeky little 32 millimeter you know yes. <laughs> whatever or let's run you know and look and to be honest Fresh books do smell really good, and you know, and those who run their fingers along the binding and and feel the, you know, the the text that pops out and and you know the weight of the book. So you get those sort of hardcore book fans, which is really cool. Mm. So of course they're going to stay there, but for think for the vast majority of people, the book is an experience anyway. So I mean, first and foremost, if you're reading fiction, it's a form of entertainment. But it's something that it's very portable. You can you can take it around with you, and it, mm. you know, unless it's um, there. I've got like a banjo Patterson 
biography on it's about 700 pages it's not the sort of one that's <laughs> and hardcover and hardcover <laughs> you know that's you know that, that's about four kilos worth of paper so you get those big ones but yeah they're very portable you can stick sticky notes in them and dog ear pages if it's your own some people even will just you know chop pages out of books that they like and have favorite quotes and things um if it's fiction you've got your index you can remember where things are there's a, a sorry non-fiction you can you can look at your index and you know look at where things are there, there are a lot of advantages to the actual book so because the book has survived and mm. look ebooks are still going okay and but books are still going okay and uh, i believe and i hope i'm right I, I think book sales have actually slowly increased and that's probably to do with population but but they're going you know strong too so because the book's still there libraries are still there um but because and because people will still like to learn well community libraries local libraries are incredible places for learning and so that's you know, even with the turmoil of books, you know, five or six years ago, and will they have a future? Well, yes, libraries are still places to learn, and, and digital learning is also, di digital literacy is a big thing too. Um, so libraries, I think, are thriving. And I was up in, up in Rockhampton a couple of months ago. They had like a big roll doll day. I, the, I think a member of Parliament up there made, like donated a roll doll cake. It was the best cake I've ever seen. It was wow. like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and oh. just like layers of, chocolate things and conveyor belts all and everything was edible so it looked like this machine and it was like silver icing it was incredible um, but when I was there doing some book talks and workshops I had a, a walk around the library and there were all these little breakout rooms where there were there were like rough as nails tradies sitting in there in their overalls learning how to do you know Microsoft spreadsheet for their mm. business there were people in there clearly studying, you know, for, for TAFE or university or exams and uh, or people in there just to, to take their grandkids in and, and look at a picture book or whatever. So it was, a, I got this sense of, gee, this is a real community hub. There's mm. a lot going on in here. It's not just people reading books. It's got these, it's a multi-purpose sort of space. Yeah. Um, and a lot of schools have put maker spaces into their libraries where they say, you know, this particular room, we're going to do robotics in, we're going to do programming in. Uh, I taught at a school that had a green screen room and that was awesome. The students love getting in there and making videos. Um, and I think libraries are just going with the times. They're becoming versatile places and it's pretty hard to stamp that out. It is. I So I think of my local community library, which I go to a lot with my three-year-old, and I love it. I love that I get to spend time. She can chat happily she, there's toys there's puzzles there's books there's dvds but as i sit there i notice a lot of people wander in and just use the free wi-fi <laughs> do you think that free wi-fi has become kind of like a come use our libraries <laughs> kind of tool in 2019 well look what's the alternative i suppose going to mcdonald's to use their free wi-fi True, then you might have that's to an buy, option there but i think then you might have to buy a 30 cent cone look i reckon <laughs> You go to use the free Wi-Fi if it's air-conditioned as well and it's summer. Then it becomes the ultimate go-to so place. <laughs> yeah, look, yes. for, uh, to be fair, I think that probably, I reckon it used to be a, a bit of a tool to get people in, mm -hmm. but I think now it's probably because free Wi-Fi is everywhere uh, and a lot of people have roaming on their devices and things anyway. Um, it, I don't know, is, is that a redundant point for libraries? Yeah, no, I, I think it's just, it just seems part and parcel now, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and libraries do have you know computers are a part of all libraries. I I feel, um, and so 
yeah, connecting to the web is part of it. And the other thing about libraries is there are people there to show you how to do research better. Mm. And so you can go in and, and it doesn't matter who you are. You might be six years old doing a, a small, you know, one-page assignment or you might be fourth-year uni, whatever, doing a yeah. doctorate, whatever. There's still people there who can help you find what you need a lot faster. Yeah. Um, and that that's a huge, huge advantage for libraries. You, you could do it at home and probably bang your head against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> if you go to the library and you can meet in groups. So there's yeah, lots of lots of good things. Yeah. I what I actually love about libraries is that and it's still it's one of those things in our society that blows my mind. When you can go to a library, I can get ten picture books. I just scan a card, I take them home, I got them for three weeks. That's really cool. You it know, is so when you've got cool. kids, yep. that's really, really cool thing. It is so cool. And we do the same. So our seven, six and five year olds, they, they love going and getting a bit of a bundle. And um and I reckon my seven year old, if he had a choice, he'd he'd walk out with thirty books if he was allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who would how he'd carry them home. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it is a really cool thing. That's right. And they become and that's you know, that's a form that's your entertainment. That can be an entertainment for, for many hours, those books. Mm. Um and then return. And Australia has this really cool thing where they actually, uh, the government has an allocation of money where they'll actually um, reimburse authors whose books are in libraries. So essentially, if you go and borrow a book, then you're not going to buy it. And so it's mm. very, it's it's um, it's a really cool system. It's called uh, ELR and PLR, uh, Educational Lending Right and Public Lending Right. So there's all these. I think we've got a great country where there's all these awesome systems in place, so that yeah. it, it's fair and accessible for everyone. And that's that's what libraries should be. So you're saying that if I borrow your book from the library, you'll get a, like a royalty cut. Well, if the library has my book, I'll get a, a royalty cut. Well, and it doesn't matter how many times it's borrowed from there. Everyone borrow Tim Harris's <laughs> series. Uh, or, or ask for it. Or ask for it. That's I because I, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't realize that you get a you get some sort of. It's almost like you're a song on Spotify. You get to get well, a cut it from is. It. That's the exact same thing. Um, and this whole idea of sort of, um, you know, creative people getting getting their royalties or rights has the, all these awesome new digital systems in place for it. And I didn't realize because I used to also uh, record music and have some songs, but. I'll now get royalties from my songs on YouTube and I didn't request it. Somehow it found me because every audio thing on YouTube has, has its own like fingerprint, audio yeah. fingerprint, and it traces back to the artist through their distributor. That's um, amazing. Yeah, pretty, so, so books are the same in libraries. Okay, very good. Uh, I, wanna, I, I was doing some research before this and I found an article that I'll put the, the links to in the show notes. It's by Simon Jenkins who wrote for The Guardian. It's back in 2016. But he wrote this, public libraries have had another bad year. They are like churches and local railways. People like having them around, but they're angry if they close. But as for using them well, there is so little time to do so these days. I, I like that quote. People like having them around and they're angry if they're closed. I think that's true, but why do you think that's the case? Is it a sentimental thing perhaps perhaps i don't know. look we, we talked earlier about how there's a, a libraries are a world of wonder when you're a kid and i wonder if for some people they have really fond memories of being in libraries as a kid and then mm. when they get older the business of life you know they stop going perhaps until they have their own kids but i don't know look i i think back to the rockhampton library that i told you about it, it was humming it was a weekday there were so many people in there doing all these things and yeah, I, I think there would be a lot of people who say, you know what, 
no, we're we're still using our libraries. Mm. Um, yeah, and and I'd I'd love to know if there's any research to back up that quote because it's a pretty powerful quote. Uh, and it sort of challenges a lot of what we've been speaking about libraries. But I know at the, at the same time, there are just so many people who are advocating to protect the libraries, the school in Queensland, for example. Um, there's a, a group of incredible Australian school librarians. They've formed a group uh, called Students Need School Libraries where they're, they're getting so many people to petition local schools, governments, councils, newspaper articles, TV interviews to you know stand up and speak on behalf of, of um, teacher librarians and libraries and mm. and they know they know that the research is saying students benefit students benefit when they have these and let's hope that you know that spills out into the to the public libraries as well because we certainly wouldn't want those closed because then free access to books is gone. Hmm. It's actually gone because you're not, you can't browse. Um, you, you, you know, a, a bookshop's not going to let you do that. And Big W is not going to let you do that. You had such vivid memories of being a, a student at school and using the library. You now have spent 15 years as a school teacher and you now tour around as an author to libraries and you've got kids who visit libraries. Can you see a big contrast between you as a kid using libraries and this next generation? and the way in which they view and utilise the spaces that are there? I think the biggest difference would be the whole, the digital learning and the online stuff. Um, for my kids, it, it's purely books. Mm. They go because they want to see books, they want to touch books, they want to read books, and we've tried to encourage them that that's a good thing to do, and and which ties into to my memories as well. Um, I, although there was one I forgot to mention earlier. My Actually, the very first library memory was my mum take me, taking me to our local library to see a puppet show. Uh, ah. And so, yeah, and and, and, if, oh, yeah, and I did a quick Google before you arrived today. I was like, right, what's happening at my local library just for this? So I did, you know, Googled. Um, and the council events came up and there were so many things happening. It was like cooking classes, learn how to do a language, sewing courses, <clears throat> writing workshops, masterclasses, all these things were happening in the lo local library. So back to the question, if that's the case that I remember that as a kid and those things are still happening today, I think perhaps there are very similar uses and similar perceptions. Um, but the heavy, I think the heavy changer would be the the introduction of IT as such a big thing um, with a lot of online research, people learning computer skills. Um, and so libraries have rightly accommodated for that and they have things in place to um, to help people tap into, you know, yeah, that whole digital world. I think we've, we've, we've discussed that libraries are such a good thing, so good for kids, so good for adults and so good for imagination. But I think there, there is a, a sense that a lot of people just don't use the libraries that are so freely available to them. So, Tim Harris, what shall we do about libraries? What shall we do, Sam? Well, I think people need to remember them. Hmm. And they need to know that they are they are places where you can go. Um Business, I'm sure, has, has got a lot to do with that. So, yeah, I think we need to, people need to become a bit more aware of what they're... So if, if they're not at school or not at university, they need to be aware of what the local library is doing. Mm. And it's it's not just a place for books. Yes, there are books there and books are a big part of, of our world, but there are a whole lot of other things going on as well. Um, but I think the big, what, what should we do about them? I, th I think at the moment, 2019, I think protecting them is the big one. Mm. In protecting school libraries and school teacher librarians and making sure that we have libraries in... Uh, in cities and towns so that people 
have free access to books, free access to the internet. Uh, that's a place where they can go and learn. They can upskill themselves. They can go and relax and read a book, um, or, or they can go and use the free Wi-Fi, <laughs> 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 or the air conditioning. All the both air good, both yeah. good things. Tim Harris. It has been so good to talk to you about libraries. And thank you so much for inviting me around to the place where you write your books. A pleasure. Um, do you mind if I hang around for a few hours and just read some of these books that I'd forgotten about? I mean, Paul Jennings, you got so many of them. It's look, great. Look, let's do it. There is free Wi-Fi here. And oh, also, yes. <laughs> I'll, turn the, I'll turn the air conditioner on. There's Lego. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Sam. My thanks to Tim Harris, who you can find on Facebook and Instagram at Tim Harris Books and online at timharrisbooks.com. His brand new book has just come out. It's called Toffle Towers, The Great River Race. It's a perfect read for your kids these school holidays. Thanks so much for listening. It means a lot to me. I would love if you would subscribe and even rate and review this show if you enjoyed it. You can follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at What Shall We Do Pod. And What Shall We Do About is hosted and produced by me, Sam Robinson, with production support from Ali Barnes and original theme music by Chad Gardner. See you next time.